Good afternoon and welcome to Bible Quest on March the 18th, 2020. I'm Jeff Smelser, but I am not supposed to be talking. Actually, Joe Works is our host today, and I just started talking. <laughs> I not the first it. time that's happened to you all, is it? Uh, that is that is so beautiful, Jeff. Thank you very much. Uh, but you just have such a such a more professional announcer voice than I do. So, no, that's great. Well, if I have a professional announcer voice, I should explain that I have made another mistake today. And that would be that uh, I forgot what your title was. And so for purposes of Facebook, the title is the one we said we were not going to use. How did you even spell this correctly? <laughs> the vicissitudes and vagaries? Vagaries of life. Vagaries. All right. Yes. Well, yes. go ahead, Jeff. I guess he has to explain what those mean. Cause yeah, Joe so, so let, let's, be, let's begin by uh, defining what vicissitudes are, Jeff. Would you well, like what was the title supposed to be? And that'll that'll be... A good enough explanation, I think. You're not alone uh, dealing with disappointments and changed plans. Yeah, okay. So changed plans and especially disappointing changed plans, vicissitudes. And right. Ease of life. There you go. That's, yes. uh, that's what we call a $5 word there. Yeah. So uh, we will try not to use the word vicissitudes anymore in the course of uh, the next uh, 29 minutes. And we are going to cut a little bit short today. I think we're going to go about 30 minutes for those of you that are joining us. Uh, I am Joe Works, uh, living in Elmira, New York. Jeff, you are in? Uh, Exton, Pennsylvania. And uh, Chase, you are joining us in? Oh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Not, see, Harris, not Harrisonburg, Virginia, but Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Correct, correct. And Drew DeGrado is uh, working behind the scenes for us as usual, uh, taking care of uh, the technical things so that are well above my paid grade. Uh, so wanting to talk about dealing with, with uh, changed plans and disappointment in that. Uh, a lot of that going on. Um, uh, a lot of people have plans that have been changed. Uh, some of them may be extremely minor changes where just some social gathering is canceled. Others have some pretty significant changes going on uh, in their life. And I just thought it might be helpful if we just through the Bible a little bit, uh, looked at some people who had changes, again, maybe some small, some large, um, and see how they dealt with it. Maybe look towards the end of the study if we have time at some passages that uh, we might might be helpful to keep in mind during uh, this um, vicissitudal. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, I, I couldn't do it. I, 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 and I even butchered it there. We already have a comment from a viewer who's guessing uh, who came up with vicissitudes uh, and vagaries of life. Uh, <laughs> are they correct? They are correct. Okay. I didn't, uh, even, I didn't even get mentioned in that comment. That makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're joining us, you, you probably have some, uh, some changed plans. Uh, most of us uh, have uh, uh, right now and, and probably for the next couple of weeks and maybe even for the, the next few months. And, uh, and that can be disappointing. It can be discouraging. Um, but it, Let's take a look and maybe try to, to take this in a positive spin or positive turn uh, and, and see how some people throughout the, the Bible times uh, dealt with uh, some of those changes. There's several examples. Jeff or Chase, do either 
one of you have a place that you would like to begin with that? Well, you know, you had, you had mentioned right up front, uh, James chapter four, and I think that's a good place to start. I think that's a good theme for, for, the, for the podcast. Yeah. So let me mention this while, while we're turning to, to James, the fourth chapter. Uh, I came up with this idea and this title, and then I didn't have any, uh, any points, any, any uh, uh, thoughts on, on how to go forward with this. And so I just had my family set down uh, early this morning. And we just kind of walked through the Bible and talked about different passages. This is one uh, that, that Noah, uh, the first verse that, that came to anybody's mind, uh, Noah mentioned this one. Uh, and it is a really good way to uh, begin. James 4, uh, especially verses 13 through 15, uh, I guess maybe going a little bit further even. Uh, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go with such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. As you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So, you know, the thought that comes to my mind, you know, with what's been going on, there are all kinds of changes um, and some of them are, are not changes we would have uh, desired, and many of us would not have expected. Just, just take an economic one here. This passage talks about, I will go and I will buy and I will sell. And there's nothing wrong with going and making plans to buy and sell. In fact, James goes ahead and says, we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall both do this and that. He's not saying it's wrong to make financial plans, for example. Uh, so we all do. We make financial plans. We try to prepare for the future. Um, a lot of us have seen, you know, whatever funds we may have set aside, uh, maybe our retirement funds have decreased in value some 30 or 40% very quickly and, and unexpectedly. And, and well, you know, if somebody just said, Hey, how about, uh, how about your, in your retirement fund decreased by 40%? We said, nah, I don't think I want to do that. But it wasn't our choice. If our hope is set on things in this life, and, and what I'm looking forward to is retiring and having all this money, and now it's gone, man, I'm devastated. But if I have not set my heart on these things in this life, then when that happens to me, it, it changes my plans. But I'm not devastated because my hope is set somewhere else. My eternal reward is really what I'm planning for. So what, what this text is really talking about is an attitude. Um, it's something that, that we live by. It's something that we consider before we make a decision. It's an attitude. And so the more specifics get drawn out from that. And so it, it might even just be helpful for us to uh, step back and, and realize we have, and I'm speaking as a general population, have been able to enjoy uh, regular lifestyles without serious interruptions. Mm -hmm long time. And so the idea of saying something like, hey, we're going to move to such a city, uh, or we're going to go over and, you know, we're going to drive over to this state and, and we're going to do this, that it's just almost assumed that if you make the plan that you can follow through with it. And so this is really a, 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 a positive thing if it calls us back to our frailty, as he talks about, you know, what is our life? Um, that, that's a good thing if we can remember that, that we don't hold our plans within our hands. Our, our destiny is not all up to us. I got to read an email to you I got today. 
so we are having a virtual Bible study tonight uh, here. The, the, we meet at, at Exton on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock for a Bible study. And tonight it'll be a, uh, an online thing. Everybody will come in like, kind of like people are watching now, except it'll be interactive for the members. And um, so the way we'll do it is there'll be a, an invitation that will go out to the people here at Exton um, tonight at a certain time. And, and one of the brethren here who is regularly the guy who broadcasts email communications to everybody in the congregation, we'll, we use him to send that out. And so I'd sent him a note earlier today to make sure he'd be available at six o'clock to send that uh, notice out to everybody in the congregation. And he replied uh, to my question. My question was, uh, will you be available tonight at 6 p.m. to forward the email link to tonight's online Bible study? And his reply was, as much as I know the future, I will plan to be available. And then he said, that sounds like a smart aleck answer, but I did not intend it to be. He's just being serious. You know, we don't really know for sure what's going to happen next tonight at 6 o'clock, let alone next year. Yeah. I, I think a really good practical example of this, kind of moving into the examples, Joe, if that's okay. Um, I, I think about Paul. We talked about him a little bit before we actually started the podcast. He's on his second preaching trip, missionary journey, and um, in verse 6 of Acts 16, it says, They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And, of course, a vision appears to Paul, and there he gets the Macedonian call there. So Paul, he had intended to go one place, uh, to do business even, in the sense of teaching and preaching. And yet the Spirit of the Lord had other plans for him, and he had to go somewhere else. And we don't see Paul getting mad or throwing a fit over that. Paul goes. He submits to what God's will is for him, and he, and he understands that plans are subject to change. Right. Uh, great, great point. Um, and so maybe you've been thinking about how we should view something like that, where we've got a plan, the Lord has another plan for us, and so ours doesn't work out. I don't know that Paul knew you know, what the Lord had in store. In fact, it seems to imply that he didn't know because he wanted to go one way, and, and the Holy Spirit didn't permit him to do that. Um, and so what he's wanting to do there in uh, uh, going into Bithynia and, and so forth, uh, or sorry, verse six, forbidden to preach the word in Asia. You can just sort of imagine that sense of, but, but the gospel needs to go to Asia. Uh, you know, this seems like a, a good thing. And so there would, surely there would be disappointment in, and especially if you don't know why this is being yeah. forbidden, but if you skip over to Acts, the 19th chapter and in verse 10, uh, you know, there's a little bit of time, not a lot of time, but a little bit of time has gone by there. And uh, it says, uh, while Paul is in Ephesus, so this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And so sometimes we don't know why a door is closed or why we can't do a certain thing. We need to trust that God's plan is going to be fulfilled. And because Paul did follow the Lord's plans, even though they weren't his, and surely disappointment was evolved, the greater good was accomplished. And, and that's where we just have to put our trust in God when something isn't uh, going the way that we think that it probably should. That's a really good attitude. It's a hard one to develop. Sometimes um, we, we get worried about things. And um, 
you know, Paul, Jesus says in Matthew, the sixth chapter, be not anxious. My mother-in-law taught me the difference between anxious and eager. Uh, do you guys ever say anxious when you mean eager? Yep. Yep. Most of my I, mother-in-law I would have corrected you. She would have told you, no, eager is when you're anticipating something with a, a positive mindset. Anxious is when you have anxiety about something. So if I said to her, well, I'm anxious for dinner tonight. You know, I'm visiting their house. <laughs> I'm, see, that was not the thing to say. No, that would be very bad. You knew the difference. Well, Jesus says in this passage in Matthew 6, verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add one cubit under the measure of his life? So I can worry about things, but worrying thing about things doesn't change anything. And and then Acts, speaking of Paul and Paul's travels, in Acts chapter 27 and verse 9 and 10, um, they they Paul is a prisoner and he's on the ship en route to Rome and they've come to the island of Crete and there's the debate about whether to stay where they are or try to go a little further and make the port at Fair Haven. And Paul says that they uh, should not do this uh, because it's too late in the year and the storms are coming and uh, it's, it's not safe to travel on the seas. And Paul said to them, um, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. So that's what he thinks is going to happen. And then later on, we find out that an angel says to him, verse 23, there stood by me this night an angel of, of the God whose I am, whom I also serve, saying, fear not, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And lo, God has granted thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, Paul says, for I believe God that it shall be even so. Um, I, I skipped the part I needed back in verse 22. No loss of life among you. They are going to have a shipwreck. They are going to be shipwrecked, but no loss of life. So, so you, we, we, we have this thing in front of us. This, can I say the word chase? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Coronavirus. And, uh, you know, we can, Oh, we, Oh, I thought you were going to say vicissitudes again. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. And we can worry about it or we can put our trust in God take precautions, do the best we can to deal with the situation. Paul was doing the best he could in these situations and know that God's will will be done. And if we are of the right heart and right mind, uh, we can be very useful servants of God. God can use us whether we're of the right heart and right mind or not, but we'll be uh, much better off and blessed of God if we make ourselves uh, trusting servants of his. And, and what a great follow-up there in, in Acts 28 when they arrive on the island and, uh, you know, Paul doesn't just sit down and say, well, this wasn't my plan. Uh, you know, he, he goes on and, and people are able to, to see God uh, through the, the things that the Lord does through Paul. Um, uh, and so uh, there's, there's teaching that is uh, able to go on there. Um, always important that we have this bigger picture in mind than just what my thoughts and my plans are, but rather how can I glorify God if all of a sudden I am detoured? Well, I'm going to keep following. Can I use that as a segue into kind of a summation of some of these people on your list, Joe? Sure. You know, I look at this list that you and your family made or probably more accurate your family made and you have <laughs> Jeremiah Daniel, Ezekiel, and Elijah, all prophets, all men of God. Here's the one thing these four men knew. Their purpose was to work in God's kingdom. 
Now, I think about Ezekiel in particular. What was Ezekiel? He's a Levite priest. He's a Levite. He was going to serve in the temple as a priest, but rather he's all the way out in Babylonian captivity. And God says, no, you're not going to be a priest. I have something else in mind for you. I need to go, you to go and talk to these hard-headed people. Uh, Daniel was in the same boat, taken off into Babylonian captivity and didn't get to serve maybe in the way that he thought. Elijah thinks that he's the only one left and he wants God's to take, God to take his life after his encounter on Mount Carmel. But all these men, they have such unpredictable jobs to do. But their one job is still the same, work for the Lord. Yeah. That, their circumstances might change, but that's their one job is to work for the Lord. So we really, as Christians, we get to see ourselves that same way. We work for the Lord, even though our circumstances may change sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just, okay, I'll get through this, and then I can work for the Lord again. It's even in the midst of going through this. You know, Paul's on that journey, and, and Joe, you made the point about his, his being able to preach the gospel on the island of Miletus. When he comes to Rome, he's still a prisoner in Rome, and yet in the midst of his trial, um, and I, I guess there's... I could say no pun intended because there wasn't, but in the midst of his trial, his difficulty and in the midst of his trial before Caesar, you know, in the midst of all of that going on, he is being a servant of the Lord and to the, to the glory of God. And, and that's such a, a, a challenge, but a, a, a challenge worth accepting. Uh, will I take the attitude, the right attitude of being a servant of God? Because a servant doesn't determine his course of life. Uh, we need we need to allow the Lord to do that. Maybe thinking on a on a even a broader scale, but easily I think to make some individual application. Psalm thirty three, beginning in verse ten. In Psalm thirty three, beginning in verse ten, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. Now, you know, if, if I were preaching in Portugal or Mozambique or Brazil or here in America, those verses still apply. Uh, there is no physical nation that is God's inheritance today. America isn't God's nation. Uh, but each nation would do well to remember this point. Uh, and certainly China and Italy and now America is is experiencing this, whether we fully appreciate that on the whole. But we can, on an individual basis, if that's true for a whole nation, and certainly it's true for, for individuals and for families. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. We've got a really good question and comment from Lori Biesecker. She says, can we think of some Bible people who might have been more average, people who weren't prophets and evangelists? Sometimes it can be hard for someone like me to relate to those folks who didn't seem to have to figure out what to feed the family that day. So, um, guys, my mind goes to Acts chapter 8. Um, when the church in Jerusalem is scattered due to persecution, uh, when Paul, or Saul rather, is ravaging the church. And it says in verse 4 of Acts 8, therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the ah, word. I love that. Um, you know, Why are they scattered? They're being scattered because horrible persecution. That's exactly right. And guys, help me put my eyes on it. But uh, when Claudius... Um, 
puts in an ordinance that the Jews should be scattered. Uh, Acts 18. Thank you. I, my mind goes to that because would that have included um, Priscilla and Aquila? As a matter yeah. of fact, it did specifically. Yeah. Yes. And so, well, go ahead and you take that and run with it. Well, you, know, you can make the point, but I'll read it. It's Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. Paul comes to Corinth and he found in verse 2 a certain Jew named Aquila and a man, a man of Pontus by race, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Yeah. So here's this couple living in Rome, and uh, they're not they're there pr- probably for their business, and, and now they're forced out because of this decree by Claudius, and so they've come to Corinth. And you can imagine if you've set up shop, you're doing business in this city, and you get run out, oh no, th- this is such an upheaval to our life, and, and then they become part of the beginning of the church in Corinth. It- so, and, and I think I understand Lori's uh, question and, and appreciate it. Uh, don't disagree with it at all. It might be helpful to put it in the context of James five seventeen, uh, because in that list that you gave of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Elijah, Jer- James five seventeen says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Mm-hmm. These were common men. And maybe if we would think of ourselves along the lines of, so Daniel was a part of the, uh, the, the majestic family. He, he was a part of the princes. Well, we are too. We're, we're, we're princes, princes and princesses. Um, uh, or like Ezekiel. Uh, I'm, I'm not including us. I'm including Lori there. Uh, princesses. Um, <laughs> or like Ezekiel. We are priests. Um, uh, and so we ought to think of ourselves from that vantage point. Um, you know, uh, Elijah, uh, not somebody who was looking for that. And maybe going along with Elijah, you, you remember the story of Obadiah there uh, with Elijah, um, the, the man that was out, servant of Ahab, um, and pretty not, a, not an enviable job there. Uh, but in his task, he, he sort of plays a minor role in the story. But remember that he had helped to save a hundred prophets' lives, uh, hiding them and feeding them. Mm-hmm. I think one of the amazing things, that the, the way we read the Bible, these aren't supermen. Um, they are ordinary men and women who simply answer the call of the Lord. And he doesn't remember them for the most part outside of the Bible story. And that's going to be the same thing for us. Uh, it's just important that we be servants of the Lord. In, in Obadiah's case, you can see his kind of the, the being weighed down with, with the difficulty that he found himself in. He is the one who meets Elijah. If we come on down to verse 7, now he, you, as you pointed out, he's a good man. He's, he's been hiding the servants of the Lord, the prophets. But then um, in verse 7 of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, as Obadiah was on, on his way, old Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, It is I. Go say to your master, Behold, Elijah's here. Well, the master is Ahab. And Obadiah says, What sin have I committed that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? This is a man who is affected by the by the difficulty of the circumstances, much as many of us find ourselves the foreboding, oh no, this is going to be terrible. But he was a man who did what he was supposed to do. And, and, and think about 
there's all sorts of scenarios where we see going through uh, the gospel accounts where people encounter the Lord and their lives are changed. Um, now, those are not typically disappointing changes, um, uh, but, but our lives are going to be changed when we, when we decide to serve the Lord. We have to be prepared for that. One that I hadn't thought about, one of my family members, yes, Chase, uh, mentioned this one earlier, um, and that is uh, Mary. The, the mother of Jesus. Yeah. We're not told what all she was thinking, but I think it's pretty easy <laughs> to guess that she was not planning on being a single mother, uh, virgin uh, mother uh, when she was growing up, you know? So whether she was 15 or 17 years old, what, however old she was at that point, uh, 20, I don't know. Um, you know, that had not been something that she was, was dreaming of doing. Her life was turned upside down uh, by that vision, uh, the, the angel appearing to her. Um, and so that's not going to happen to, to any of us that are speaking or, or listening. Um, but we don't know what the Lord is going to do with us. And so we have to have the attitude. Uh, what's the, the verse there in Luke 1 um, that when Mary answers the, the call, um, how does she say that uh, in uh, Luke 1? Um, where are we now? Mary said to the angel, how sh- no, that's, that's uh, not 30. Uh, I mean, uh, it'd be helpful if I was in chapter 1. I was looking at chapter 2. Uh, <laughs> verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Yeah. Uh, man, what a great, you know, theme verse uh, for, for, for young ladies to, to take up today, you know, cause we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or two weeks from now or next month, or maybe even a year from now, who knows? Um, but behold, here's your maidservant or for us, uh, behold, here, here's your manservant. Uh, let it be done to you as according to your will. Um, you know, what, whatever the Lord wants us to do, let him direct our paths in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thinking of some of the changes that people are experiencing. You think of some of these young people who uh, had planned on competing in some high school sports or college sports in this spring, and, and now that's gone. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm hearing about graduations being canceled. They're not going to graduate. Um, they may graduate, but they're not going to have a ceremony. And, and, you know, there are little things like that that at a certain point in life that can seem devastating or terribly disappointing in the greater scheme of things. It's not that big a deal, but it can be, if I'm a young person and that's, that's been what I've been so looking forward to, I can be seriously disappointed. And you know, we're not saying it's wrong to be disappointed about something, not at all, but put things in perspective, put things in perspective. So uh, I don't know how much we got. Just a couple of minutes. Uh, let me mention this idea. Uh, I think I may have said this before on a on a podcast uh, uh, several months ago. Uh, the movie Pollyanna. Um, uh, anybody older than Chase would probably know what that's about. Okay, uh, Boomer. But <laughs> so uh, if you're a millennial and haven't heard it, you know this might be a good time to uh, go on to uh, uh, Hulu or wherever you go uh, to to watch a movie. Uh, But in the movie Pollyanna, she takes this attitude that whatever tragedy or whatever difficulty comes into life, she plays what her dad had taught her was the glad game. And the idea is uh, that uh, evidently they were missionaries somewhere and uh, the missionary barrel had come 
and they uh, had checked the, the, uh, the, opened it up, and instead of a doll that they were expecting, there was a pair of crutches there. And it's like, oh, what a disappointment. They decided to play the glad game and said, well, at least I don't have to use the crutches. And I think there's something to be said for finding the silver lining in the cloud. Some people are, are quite able to, to find the cloud, but they can't find the silver lining. And so in these tragedies, or, or in these changes, I mean, uh, that, that are sometimes minuscule, sometimes are significant. Look for ways in which I can glorify God in that. And so I, I'm not so much thinking about the glad game as I am the God game. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that flippantly, but but think about how would God want me to look at this scenario? I don't understand how this is going to turn out. Um, and it might even be quite scary. Uh, so, so what will I do with that? One other example that we discussed earlier today, and I'll close off with this one since we got just a minute and a half or so, um, is that of the disciples. Mm. They were looking for the coming of the kingdom of God and Certainly the king was with them. But when things turned upside down at, in, the, in the garden, uh, you know, what was the reaction to the disciples when all of their th- thoughts about how this was going to happen, when, when that went sideways, well, you had Peter cutting off Malchus's ear. You have them uh, fleeing. You have them weeping. You have them hiding in the upper room. You know, that's, that's somewhat human nature. Uh, when your life is turned upside down, what are you going to do? They didn't have the resurrected Christ at that point. Right. And, and after they did, then we see how they respond. And we have the book of Acts, which is a great story. We're living Acts chapter 29. Uh, we have the resurrected Christ. And so how will we behave when our world is turned upside down uh, and things aren't going the way that we thought? Um, this is a great opportunity to glorify God uh, if, if we're willing to just be servants. Yeah. Amen. Well, Jeff, you started us. So I'll let you close us off. <laughs> yeah, we're closing a little early today. A couple of us are pretty busy, and um, so we need some extra time. So thank you for watching today, and Lord willing, we will see you next week.